Are we on? Oh, wow. Yes, we are on. Testing one, two, three. <clears throat> Test one, two, three, four, five. Can you hear me now? Testing one, two. Test one, two, three, four. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Woo! Amen. That is, whosoever, that whosoever, <clears throat> test one, two, three, four, five, test one, two, three, we'll be talking about the heart of God today, the heart of God. What do you, th what do you think? Test one, two, does it sound better, out, less muffled, less muffled out there, not in a... <clears throat> Part of the problem is my voice, so that's on me. <laughs> you think it's okay? Okay. Oh, you're, you're. Yeah, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> if I'm singing, you you're really gonna be have to be miracle workers. Yes, is it? It's a lot better. It seems a lot better to me. What's that? Yeah, I don't want to disrupt that class downstairs. <laughs> Get after it a little bit. You want, yeah. It's weird, I can only do it when the spirit is moving and leading. I don't know if you're old or not. You remember a comedian called Flip Wilson? Flip, I don't know. Oh, I've heard of him. Yes, yes, yes. I've heard of him. When you start a new church, the church has to crawl. And then the congregation goes, make it crawl, make it crawl. He says, after crawls for a while, stands up and starts to walk. And he goes, make it walk, Rev, make it walk. And he goes, and then after it walks for a while, then it's got to run. And he goes, make it run, Rev, make it run. And then he says, and to make it run, we got to have money. He goes, let it crawl, Rev, let it crawl. I'm going to have to borrow that one. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny. Yeah, you, you're going to have to. They're, they're really good about, you know. Oh, yeah. Run, 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 and then when he goes, we need money. Amen. <clears throat> we doing all right? Awesome. Oh. Okay. Ooh. He's pushing, pushing. Pushing. Wow. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> Test one, two, three, four, five. Testing one, two, three. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. <laughs> Just like a fajita. <laughs> I know where you live. Where are the supplies? Yeah, there, I think there's some. What do you need? Kelly, my daughter, had a uh, Swifter. Oh, okay, yeah. Dr. Courtney said, yeah, we'll take it, but I don't know where to put it. So okay. Downstairs? Yeah, or, um, yeah, we can put it downstairs, or you can just throw it in the front office if you want, sure. and I'll get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll move it down. Okay. You never know, they might even use it up in the um, nursery or something. <clears throat> what do you think? Test one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three. Test one, two. Is that? Here a little bit. Of, okay. See, but you know what you want. One, two. <clears throat> okay. Yep. <laughs> Oh, I see. A little friendly competition. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 
We're going to start just a short series for a few weeks. It's hard to believe, but we will be then kind of preparing and getting ready for the Easter celebration of the resurrection. And so it won't be long and we'll be talking about resurrection and Easter. But right now we're going to do just a, a brief series for the next few weeks. We're going to go through this chapter, Luke chapter 15. And the title I have given this series is The Heart of God. The Heart of God. And I want you to just follow along as we read this passage, and then we'll speak a little bit through this passage. We're just going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. Luke 15, 1 through 10. It says this, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these were the religious leaders, they muttered, they criticized, they complained. This man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now, this is how Jesus is going to respond. Jesus doesn't begin to fight and argue with them, but he responds, and this entire chapter is how Jesus responds to what these people are criticizing Jesus for. Jesus, you hang out with sinners. Jesus, you welcome them. You receive sinners, and they're upset. And they're critical of Christ. And so he's going to tell a number of parables or stories. He says this. Uh, maybe go back to that previous verse. He says, um, then Jesus told them this parable. And now he's going to give a number of stories or parables. Now a parable, to put it in simple terms, is an earthly story. It's just a simple earthly story with a deeper spiritual truth. With, or we would say an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So now he's going to tell these stories. These stories may be familiar to you. We'll look at just a couple right now. He says this. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully he puts it on his shoulders. And he goes home, and then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then he tells another story. This is his response. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and she calls her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray you would please bless your word this morning. I am so humbled, Lord, that each week you continue to draw and bring people to come and to hear your word. Lord, we are hungry for your word. We are hungry for you, Father. I pray that, Lord, that we would truly, truly, truly come to know your heart and who you are. Father, I fear that there are so many, maybe even some here today, that don't even really truly have a grasp of who God is. And Father, oftentimes I believe it's, it's because of the very church that you've called to, to show the world who you are, we have somehow tainted and twisted who you are. And so I pray that, Father, in these next few weeks, in this time as we open your word, that we would truly have a glimpse of your heart and who you are and truly how much you love us and how much you care for us. And so, Father, I pray you to just please show us who you are today. In your name we pray. Amen. I do fear that many people have a twisted view of God. It can come from many different ways. 
Sometimes it's from the church itself. Sometimes it's from religion itself. We're going to see in a moment that here these people who were religious leaders, it says that they were the, 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 the ones who, were the, the, who interpreted the law, the ones who were the teachers of the law, the spiritual leaders, those in, in a spiritual place to try to influence the people that they had a twisted view of God. In fact, so much so that they were critical of the Lord. Maybe for some, because of maybe upbringing and because of maybe your childhood, when we think about a father and we think about God being a father, and this is a whole other message and a whole other series, and this is for a whole other teaching, but can I say this? There are many times we don't realize that there is an attack on the home. There is an attack on men. There is an attack from Satan upon fathers because in the Scripture, one of the things we realize is that a father is to be a symbol or a picture of our Heavenly Father. And if the enemy can find a way to disrupt relationships between us and our earthly fathers, then the enemy can use that to cause us to have a twisted view of our Heavenly Father. Does this make sense? And so for some people think, well, God is this mean God in heaven who just can't wait to find uh, something that I'm doing wrong so that he can push the smite button. You've seen some of those old, you know, like far side back in the day, you know, far side. And I remember this one where there's like this guy walking down the street and it shows this guy up top with a computer. This is like way old school, before reels, you know, before reels and TikTok and all those things. And there's like a safe and there's like a rope and it shows a guy at a computer screen and it says smite, you know. You see this guy walking underneath and they're getting ready to drop the safe on top of him. I think some people have this view of God. It's a twisted view of God. Let me share with you another passage of Scripture before we dive into this passage. But in John 14, a few weeks ago I mentioned this. I want to just mention this again. In John 14, Jesus is speaking with his disciples. We'll see in a moment one of his disciples, Philip, makes this statement, asks a question. But listen to what Jesus said to his disciples, his followers. He says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, not, uh, you do know him and have seen him. He says, you know him and you have seen him. And they're thinking, how can this be? Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Show us the Father. The disciples said, show us God the Father and that will be enough for us. And look at the response. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I want to reemphasize that this is so important because if you want to know what God is like, then you must fall in love with and know what Jesus Christ is like. Because if you know Christ, then you know the Father. And so Philip said, show us the Father. That will be sufficient. And Jesus said, don't you get it? He says, I am my Father one, and I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. And if you want to know what God is like, then observe me and get to know me. And so as we are in this passage in Luke 15, what I want you to understand is that there were a group of people, a large group of people who came to hear Jesus speak. There were the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and then there were the sinners and the tax collectors, the Bible says. Both had completely different attitudes. Maybe even you're here this morning, and maybe your attitude is one of some of those that came that was sincere. They were sincere and they were receptive to the word of God. And they went and they came, even though they were sinners and they were outcasts in society, they still came, they were sincere, they were receptive to the words of Jesus Christ. But can I say this? There may be some even here today, I will say this, anytime that you have people who gather to come hear the word of God, you have those who are cynics and you have those who are sincere. It's possible that you might have been invited by a friend 
And you're only here because someone kind of made you show up and now you're here and maybe you're even, I'm not being mean here, but maybe kind of your heart and your mind and your attitude is a little critical, a little cynical. I don't know about this stuff. And that's okay. It's okay. Jesus taught the word to all of them. And Jesus was even willing to allow them to criticize him. And so there were those who were cynical and those who were critical, but then there was a great group of people who were receptive. And I want you to notice that we're going to see the heart of God in three areas. And just for a few moments this morning, I want you to see the heart of God in his compassion for lost souls. Next week, we will go into the story of the prodigal son, a powerful story Do not miss next week. If you have to choose between this week and next week, choose next week. Okay? So it means you got to come back next week. The story of the prodigal son. How many of you have ever heard of that story at least a little bit? Powerful story. We're going to go into the story of the prodigal son. We're going to see God's compassion for lost sons. And then we will wrap it up at the end and we'll see his complaint his complaint to the eldest son. And that's what the whole story is all about. It's speaking to the older brother. Most of us think that this story, this Luke 15, is about the prodigal son and the lost, the lost coin and the lost sheep. But the whole story is God trying to deal with the heart of the Pharisees who picture the oldest brother in their attitude. And it's sad, but I think a lot of Christians in church have the attitude of this older brother, the Pharisees. The Pharisees begin to complain and criticize Jesus in this passage. Notice what it says. It says that because there were all these sinners gathering around Jesus, they begin to say to him, this man, he receives sinners, he welcomes them, and he even, they even say this, he eats with them. Jesus was willing to sit down and break bread and eat with the outcasts of society. Those who people would say, well, they're sinners. They murmured, they complained, they criticized him, that he would hang out with the tax collectors. The tax collectors were the people, like the Bible gives us a story of of Zacchaeus and how he was invited to Jesus' home, and Zacchaeus was one of those who was Jewish, but he was literally using his knowledge of his own people, his own community, to then be able to go for the Roman government to collect taxes, but most of them were just greedy and selfish, and what did they do? They would, they would raise the price of the taxes to pad their own pockets. They were extortioners, and they were hated, Yet Jesus was willing to go and sit in their homes and eat with them. And Jesus even said to Zacchaeus one time, he said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. I am coming to your home. And if you know the rest of the story, Zacchaeus completely changes his life because he had an encounter with Jesus. The Bible says that anything that he took, he restored, he gave back, and he even gave back multiple times. God changed his heart. They said he eats with sinners. He hangs out with sinners. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus hangs out with sinners. Because if we were honest, we would all come to this reality that we're all sinners. Every single one of us. We've all fallen short. We've all told a lie. We've all had hatred in our hearts. Am I right? There's times when someone around us has great things happening and they're successful and we're not. We've been jealous, right? Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust. Ride on the back of a bus with High school wrestlers, let me tell you, lust is definitely an issue. (laughs) I won't even go into the conversations that we've had. (laughs) 
We're all sinners, correct? We're all sinners. And we see the heart of God. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you want to know what the Father is like, then look at me and look how I live here on earth and look at my ministry and look at me and then you'll see the heart of God. And you see the heart of God for for these lost souls. And then the Lord Jesus begins to teach some parables. We'll just quickly look at two of them. As we read here, he gives a parable of, of the shepherd who lost his sheep. And it's a parable of the lost sheep. And we could call it the parable of the lost sheep, but maybe we could say it's the parable of the good shepherd. Because this shepherd has a hundred in his fold, if you will, in his flock, and one of them leaves. And it's gone, and, it, and, and he realizes that when he makes his count at the end of the day, that one of them is missing. One of them is missing. And the Bible says that, that the shepherd leaves the 99 in the open country and he goes out. And I love this phrase. He says he searches and he seeks till he finds it. And when he finds it, he takes the lost sheep and he places it upon his shoulders and he brings it back. And when he brings it back, his expectation is this, is that his friends and that his neighbors and those around him, that they rejoice with him. Do you kind of see what Jesus is trying to say to these Pharisees? Is he saying to these religious leaders, you shouldn't be critical. You shouldn't be critical and negative that I am here seeking the lost sheep. In fact, in Luke 19.10, listen to what the mission of Christ was. In Luke 19.10, it says this. It says that he, the Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to what? Save the lost. That is his mission. That's why he was here. And he tells them, he says, I am here to seek and to save that which is lost. And he's saying to these religious leaders, he's saying, your attitude is so wrong. You don't have a true grasp of the heart of God and why I am here. And can I say this to you, that God loves you. Let that sink in, that God loves you. And that he is here for you and he, he desires you and he pursues you. Like the shepherd who went out and was pursuing that one lost sheep. He was pursuing that sheep to bring it back into the fold. And may I say this, that all of us at one time or another, and maybe even some of you here this morning, you are that one lost sheep. I was that one lost sheep. And do not miss this. Because if you don't get anything else today, let me just please hear this message. This is the message of the heart of God. That if you were the only person on planet earth, God still would have sent his good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and find you, to bring you into his family. If you were the only one, he would have done it just for you. We often look at the, the hundred when we look at the 99, but God is interested in the one. That one is you. He is interested in you. He desires for you to be in his fold. The Bible says that this shepherd goes out and seeks till he finds it. I picture the inconvenience the labor, the work. Can I say this? The risk. The risk of a shepherd going out night and day with their lions and bears and, 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 and wild animals and the risk. Why is it even worth it? It's just one. Why is it even worth it for just one? And it's sad. It's sad, and I really believe this, that many churches are just content with those that are inside the walls of the church. May I say, may we never lose our passion and our vision because our Father's heart is for the one lost soul out there that's not here. So yes, please, somebody say amen. Oh, the church is full. We're doing good. We're fine. No, if we need to tear down the walls so we can bring more lost sheep into the fold. If we need to, then listen, we'll park down the street and we'll shuttle them in. Whatever we need to do. Hey, if we need to, let's be inconvenienced. If we have to, 
Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's rent the high school if we have to. And let's fill it so that more lost sheep can come into the fold of God. Somebody say amen. We have gotten so content. The church has lost its passion for the lost. And there is a lost sheep out there. You say, why, coach? Why are you a chaplain for SUU football? Why do you spend most of your time, Pastor Joe, out up and down the streets and up and down the halls and through the hallways and on the campus? Why do you do that? I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not going to hide my mission. I'm here to seek and save after those who are lost, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we will keep doing that. That is what we are here to do. That is the heart of God. He gives another parable of the lost coin. And this woman, she has this, what some people to believe to be a dowry. Some scholars say that this dowry is, is kind of like what we would consider an engagement ring or a ring. But in the Old Testament times, in the Bible times, there would be more of like a necklace that would have um, silver coins placed upon them. Some refer to it as a dowry. And she loses one of them. And she doesn't say, well, I have all the others. No, what does she do? I lost one. I lost one and I need to look for it. So the scripture tells us, Jesus tells this story that when this woman potentially, and let's put it in today's terms, loses her engagement ring or loses a diamond ring, what does she do? She says, oh my goodness, I lost it. So she opens up all the windows. She lights the lamps and she begins to completely clean the entire house. I wish my wife would lose her ring in her car. <laughs> Get a clean car out of it, amen. Stop for gas on the way, you know, <laughs> to go clean out the car. So what does she do? She begins to clean the entire house and she sweeps it every little corner Everywhere that she can, from one end of the house to the other end of the house, she begins to search. She lights the lamp. She sweeps the house. And the Bible says that when she finds it, she rejoices. And when she finds it, she goes to her neighbors and to her friends and says, I've, I've finally, I've found it. I've, it's here. I've got it. Do you understand, let me just say this again, about this heart of God. Do you understand that when he's teaching this parable to these Pharisees who are critical of Jesus and they're, they're cynical of, of his mission and what he's doing, he's trying to say this. He's trying to say that you are valuable to me, that people are valuable to me, that souls are valuable. This ring is a picture of something that is valuable. God is for you. Somebody say amen. amen. God loves you. You are of extreme value to the God of heaven who created all things. And may I remind you of something that God loves you. And in that love, God created you. And the Bible says he took the dust of the earth and he formed you and he created you and he made you special and he made you unique. And listen, you are the creation of God Almighty. And then the Bible says he did something supernatural, something so beautiful, something so powerful that God, the Bible says that he knelt down and he breathed into you. He breathed into man the breath of life and you became a living soul. You are the crown jewel of all of God's creation. You are special to God and he created you and he gave you unique opportunities and abilities and gifts and talents and God created you special and God created you unique and God sees you and he says you are valuable to me. And not only did he create you, but you were twice bought by God himself because Satan wanted to, to steal you from the family of God because the Bible says that Satan, his desire is to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Satan, in the fall of man, Satan in his temptation tried to strip man from God. And God says, I love you so much that I will 
buy you back from the evil one. Amen? And I will send my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will pay the ultimate price upon Calvary, and we are twice paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are valuable to him. This woman inconveniences herself. The shepherd takes great risk. He's willing to do whatever it takes to find the lost sheep. The woman is willing to do whatever it takes to find the lost ring. Years back, my wife isn't really into rings that much. We, we actually wear these little silicone things now. But years back, I bought her a ring. It was like a, some type of diamond ring. I don't even know where it is right now. <laughs> bought it for her. And she does, she's kind of like, doesn't like lots of jewelry and all of that stuff. And somehow she lost it. And she's like, I lost the diamond ring. And so we were looking for days and looking and looking and looking and looking. And by the way, the house got really clean. It was really cool, you know? <laughs> And we were looking and searching and looking. So one day I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, well, maybe it went down in the sink. And so the plumber, Plumber Joe, <laughs> I'm not a plumber. It's bad news. Got under there, started twisting and pulling the sink all apart and shook. And all of a sudden, there was that ring. We found it. We're like, yes, we found it. Seek the sink leaked from then on. <laughs> Put a little bucket under there until a friend could come fix it. But we found the ring. I hate plumbing. I'm not good at plumbing. I don't want to tear things apart. I don't want to climb underneath the sink and bump my head three or four times and have to confess all of the sins of the things that I said, you know? When you don't have hair, it hurts, by the way. When you don't, some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. There's just no protection up there. And after a few scrapes and bumps and, and you know, and a few confessions, I found the ring. And we were like, yes, we found the ring. It was even worth the sink leaking for a little bit to find that ring. Church, may I say, we should be willing to take risks for the lost. Not just as a church, but each of us in our individual lives. Amen? We should be willing to be inconvenienced for the one lost sheep, for the one lost coin that is so valuable to him. The Bible says, twice Jesus says, that heaven rejoices when one lost sheep comes into the fold. Twice here he says, heaven rejoices when that who was lost is found. He rejoices. I want to just share something with you that I think might help you understand the true heart of God. A few weeks ago, my wife and I and our two young ones, we went to San Diego um, to be there for a funeral. And uh, we left late Thursday night. It's like, well, I got to get practice, leave late Thursday night, go into San Diego. You're just following GPS. You're just kind of, wherever GPS tells you it's late, like 1, 1.30 in the morning. We pull into this Airbnb that's, I have nowhere, Chula Vista, California is all I know. Lots of houses everywhere, complexes everywhere, traffic everywhere, four-lane highways, two-lane highways, parks, construction zones. San Diego is a pretty big city. So you just follow a little GPS, you pull in, you're tired. It's 1.30 in the morning or so. Let's just get our stuff in. Let's get to bed. And so, tuck the kids in. We go to bed. 
we, our life is different than a lot of people's lives, not in a bad way, it's just different. We have a seven-year-old son who is autistic, nonverbal. Um, he likes to what's called elope, to just run, to just go. And so anywhere we go, everywhere we go, we always have to, if you see my wife and I doing this at church, it's because he could run. Last week, he got out the doors and he was in the back of the parking lot. No matter how hard you try, no matter how, it's difficult. You're, you, and by the way, when the scripture says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray and they want to run, we're living that out, you know, like <laughs> he wants to go. Now I know what the Heavenly Father feels like when we as sheep, we go astray. So whenever we go anywhere on vacation, one of the first things we have to do is try to find a way to child-proof the house, like try to find a way to make sure there's special lock. But it's 1.30 in the morning. We're like, okay, there's one door. It's down here at the lower level. When we get up in the morning, we'll, we'll go. We'll get up in the morning, we'll go, and we'll get the special locks, buy the locks so that he doesn't get out. So we're getting ready, and my daughter's kind of keeping an eye on him. We're trying to keep an eye on him. I'm literally just in a pair of just like athletic shorts, and I'm basically shaving, and I've got shaving cream on my face, and my wife is kind of waking up, and the house is quiet just for a few minutes, and we're like, okay, wait, where's Micaiah? Temperance, where's Micaiah? Where's Micaiah? She runs downstairs. The door's open. Micaiah's gone. I literally, I'm in bare feet, pair of shorts, snow shirt, nothing, and I'm running out, shaving cream on my face, and I'm running out, and now it hits. One, I don't even have a clue where I'm at. My wife has no clue, and you're in panic. Where is Micaiah? And I look one way, look another. He's already been gone. We don't even know how long he's gone. You throw on a pair of shoes. My wife gets on 911, and I'm literally hysterically running down streets, I'm looking. You have to understand, they, he, he loves water. There's swimming pools, there's hot tubs, there's four-lane highways, there's construction zones, there's parks. And so I'm running to the busiest intersections, and as I'm running, I'm asking and begging people, hey, have you seen a little boy? Have you seen a little boy? No, no, no. Some people don't even speak English. I mean, have you seen a little boy? Did you see a little boy? He's literally just in his diaper and a T-shirt, no socks, no shoes, and he has his little blue iPad just running the streets. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? No. My wife gets on 911. My wife's calling 911. I'm yelling at people. Will you, have you seen a little boy? If you see a little boy, will you grab him? One guy literally looked at me, and I don't blame him. He was like, he ran away from me. He was like, <laughs> probably thought I was going to like try to like some crazy man. I, I honestly, I probably looked like, a, I'm not trying to be mean here, like a psychotic crackhead, just losing it. The panic, the panic. I cannot describe to you the anguish, how helpless you feel. My son is gone. He could be hit by a car. He has, does not understand the dangers. He could already be drowned in a pool or a hot tub. He could have been t abducted or taken by someone because we live in an evil world. Are you with me? And he doesn't even understand the dangers. Running to every intersection, up and down the streets, and running, and my wife running, and my daughter running, and exhausted, and sweating, and begging people for help. And most people, like, just stay away from me. Some people willing to help. And finally, one person says, I saw him going that way, and I tried to grab him, but he just kept going. And so we start going that direction, going to the busiest intersections, hoping that your son isn't hit or in that busy intersection. I can tell you it is the one, of the one of the worst feelings on earth. I will say this. At that moment, my son was lost. If you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about because the worst scenarios are going through your mind. I... Tried to, I prayed. I was calling out to God and praying and begging God, God, please, please, please. For almost 50 minutes, that's what we went through. After about 45 minutes or so, we do get the police, and they say we found someone, but they didn't even confirm. 
And the police showed up and we thought, he's here, he's here, they have him. When the police showed up, he wasn't there and was like, where is he? So then they took my wife to over to where they, someone had found a child. They wouldn't even give us a description. But obviously, when the moment my wife saw him, she just broke down and she wept. And I remember her calling me saying, she said, all I remember are these words, they found him. The most beautiful words I've ever heard, they found him. Someone, a good Samaritan, an angel, I don't know who it was, a woman, found him at a construction site and took him home and called the police. They found him. The most beautiful words I've ever heard. And when we grabbed him and when we hugged him, oh, we, we rejoiced. Are you with me? We rejoiced. My son was home. You know what's sad is he didn't even know he was lost. Just didn't. He was wanting to go check out all the stuff. Look at the big trucks. Can I just say this? It's sad, but there are a lot of people out there, some maybe even here today, who don't even realize they're lost. They don't realize the dangers. They don't realize the consequences of not being in the fold of God. Are you with me, church? But we rejoiced, and then we went and bought child locks. <laughs> and we barricaded the doorway. And I have to admit, I'm still dealing, we're still dealing with a little bit of like, is he here? Is he here? Checking the doors. It's 24-7. Can I tell you something? That's the heart of God. When one of his lost sheep come home. Amen? May that be our prayer and our desire is to see the lost sheep come to know our Heavenly Father. What is the heart of God? I can tell you this. The heart of God is this, is that God is love. And that God loves you. You are valuable to God. And that he desires all to be in his fold. That the shepherd is willing to go out and take all risks like the good shepherd Jesus Christ did. He took such risks that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life. He shed his blood so that we can be brought into the family of God. Amen. I pray that it is our mission, it is our passion, it is our desire as a church to have the heart of God, to have compassion for those who are lost, to not be cynical, to not be critical, to not think that we are better than others, to understand that God desires to bring sinners into repentance, to bring sinners into a relationship with the Heavenly Father, amen? And to not turn our nose and to think that somehow we are better than anyone else. Because may I remind us of all of something. Every single one of us, we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me?